0: my mic as i went to crack it open
1: hey it happens hi everybody <laughs> welcome to a very happy halloween special episode mm-hmm. we've been on this every other week schedule and we generally do two months but october is special because you get three spooky episodes in the same month
0: yeah yeah nice little uh end the season off i kind of feel a, a proper way with uh, yeah. with what we're talking about today. I, I feel like this is a special one. <clears yeah, <clears but before the, we get into legend. it, Jake, what are you
1: drinking? Oh, good, thank you. Well, I've been very busy, as I know you have also been very busy, but I planned on getting out of the house and actually finding a beer. I have to admit, I made absolutely no effort to find a <laughs> beer, so this is just what was in my <laughs> fridge at the moment. But I'm going to still try to make it work. All right. So we're, today we're talking about the legendary John Carpenter. And just like how he is a one-of-a-kind filmmaker, I would say that he comes around, or filmmakers like him come around once in a blue moon. That happens to be the only kind of being <laughs> <for her. laughs> Blue moon, Belgian white. <laughs> From, uh, yeah, the Blue Moon Beverage Company. Um, Coors, I think, makes it. So, yeah, it's obviously just a fine little beer. Uh,
0: my favorite part about that, Jake, was you trying to sound witty. <laughs> Once in yeah. a blue moon. <laughs>
1: Make it sound like I meant to do that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, while well, I had a beer planned for this episode. But I think I drank it on one of our previous ones <laughs> by accident. Um okay. or I just drank it watching a movie. I opened the fridge tonight and was like, Where the fuck is my beer? It was a great <laughs> one. It had like it was like the man or something like that, big old like bearded mm. dude, just badassery all around. Yeah, I drank it. Yeah. So <laughs> luckily I had another beer. Now, this one doesn't quite fit with uh, Mr. <laughs> Carpenter per se, but since this is the last episode of the spooky season for us, I figured a nice little cheers to to the month itself is due. So I'm drinking just a nice classic Oktoberfest uh, mm. from McKinney Brewery or McKinney, Texas. It's Tup's Brewery. They make okay. some good beer. If you come across it, I would recommend Tubs.
1: Okay, yeah. never heard of Tubs, but that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of October Fest and October things, I mentioned this is our third episode this year, but it's that—that's not actually totally true, because we have s- several other there's, episodes. There's some out. bonus shit out there, guys. Yeah. If you follow us on Instagram, I've been calling it Bonus Boners Weekend yep. or Week, I guess, because we. St- if you're listening to this now, all of it's available. Everything I said before that we would be being guests on, um, we were invited to be a guest of the Film versus Film podcast. We did our episode with Killers of the Flower Moon coming out recently. We did a whole episode putting our Martin Scorsese movie up against his, and he chose Taxi Driver, and we chose The Departed, and <laughs> that was a very fun time. That was a blast. So. If you like uh, those kind of movies, check out Film vs. Film Podcast. He breaks his episodes into two parts. So there's a part one, which is Taxi Driver, and a part two, which is The Departed. Um, I won't spoil who won, but we feel pretty good about it. And uh, and then if you've seen The Creator, which came out recently, um, he also asked us to do a little mini episode spoiling The Creator. And mm-hmm. so we got into deep spoilers on the creator if there's another episode separate episode out there about that as well from the film versus film podcast and then finally uh, we did just in time for a spooky season as well finally we're able to be on the B critics podcast and uh, we were honorary B critics for a day and got to talk about the final girls which is an underrated gem of a Halloween yes. movie uh, wow. a lot of fun we had a lot of fun with them so check out the B critics podcast with uh, us on there yeah uh,
0: film versus film with Martin was awesome so hello Martin thank you for uh, having us man <laughs> and uh, the B critics yeah. those two are just hilarious to talk to uh,
1: yeah it was in quarter great
0: yeah it was it was pretty great they uh, they actually apparently watched one of our recommendations and loved it. So that mm-hmm. makes me happy as everyone else in the world should go watch ready or not it's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. The final girls was fantastic. That whole conversation that we had with them breaking that movie down and just everything we ended up talking about, uh, I think two gems that really came out of that conversation was how do you actually pronounce Adam?
1: Divine, divine, Divi- 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 <laughs>
0: uh, let us know how you pronounce it. Uh, uh yeah. And then who would survive a horror film uh i've been kind of beating myself up over this (laughs) yeah
1: i would like to hope and think that i could um but we all know it's probably not true yeah
0: i'm I'm pretty sure i get too cocky and i would die (laughs) a horrible horrible early death so
1: yeah you'd be the first girl for sure So yeah, check out all those if you are all caught up on normal episodes. Uh, you have some extra bonus bonus episodes out there to find. And then next episode, we are getting serious as we talk about Requiem for a Dream. Yes. One of Dustin's all-time favorite movies that I've never seen. Uh, it should be very interesting. <laughs> and And then to recover from that, which I'm told we will need to do, yeah all of the rest of the episodes of the year are very fun and nostalgic and And happy uh, and
0: joyful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am
1: very excited for Requiem for
0: a Dream. Uh, I told one of our, or like one of the guys I work with who also listens to our show, he asked me, so what, what's coming up? And I told him Requiem, he goes, Oh God. And I was like, yeah, Jake's never seen it. So this should be interesting. He was like, that movie's fucking depressing, man. It's like I know.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll get it get it out of the way early, you know, early November, and then lead into the fun, silly yeah. stuff after that.
0: It'll be a perfect segue. It really will. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and then, I guess another new thing that we did is we recently were approached to uh, interview a filmmaker. We got a fun opportunity to. Uh, start talking to this guy on Instagram who just put out his own little short film and was just interested in talking to us about his sh- his movie and then also just filmmaking in general and kind of the state of Hollywood, what the next generation could bring, uh, all of that kind of stuff. So we're gonna get into that now. Uh, it's just like a 23 minutes long and then we'll do the episode after that. Uh, need to get into the movie draft as well. So before we go any further, Let's just see what JR has to say. We're very excited to be joined by a young up-and-coming filmmaker. Uh, he recently released a very good, if I can spoil things, about 30 <laughs> plus minute short film. It's a period piece set in the early 1900s, but it's uh, also what he describes as an experimental psychological horror film. Uh, mm-hmm. And as that, I think it does a very good job. So uh, JR Stokes, that. welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me, Jake and Dustin. It's uh, it's great yeah. to finally be here. It took a little bit, but uh, it's great to be here.
1: We're glad you're here, man. Uh, I'll plug your stuff off the top, and then uh, you can plug whatever you want at the end. Mm-hmm. So you're awesome. at SIDS Cinematics on YouTube and Instagram, uh, mm-hmm. SIDS, S-I-D-S, Cinematics. And uh, your film, The Headstone of Solitude, is for free, full film on YouTube, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. And uh, people can actually find details and ratings and stuff about it on IMDb and Letterboxd, getting good reviews. I think it looks really, uh, really good on that front, <laughs> too. <you>. So <laughs> it's
2: exciting. Have you uh, have you guys given it a review yet on there for my ass? Uh,
1: I have not. I actually don't well, have a Letterboxd,
2: but uh, I should on IMDb for sure. All right. Awesome. yeah
1: i i
0: think we should be uh upfront. we're we're good about giving our opinions like to each other and oh, on the show
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, we're bad about posting opinions and, like, that's all comments. good man no worries at all yeah. <laughs> listen pe- people on there are vicious man you gotta have thick skin to be on there yeah yeah imagine yeah. especially if you're making stuff yeah. your own content yeah i mean you know there's good and bad but i mean either way you really you can't look too much into it yeah Yeah,
0: take it with a big old grain of salt
2: yeah absolutely absolutely.
0: yeah
1: so i think people should definitely check out your film especially if you're into horror film i think that it is pretty interesting and cool i liked a lot of the ideas (laughs) that you approached approached it with it's not your first film i'm sure even though you didn't have any other credits
2: it's my first film.
1: Oh, okay. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, I've done like other like shorter stuff that's on my Instagram, like, you know, stuff that's like a few minutes long. But okay. yeah, no, that's my uh, debut film, I guess.
1: Hey, all right. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> Not uh, too shabby, sir. Not too shabby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the angles and the lighting and everything. I think you have a good eye. I mean, it speaks to your photography. You did send us your photography portfolio. Yeah. And uh, definitely know what you're doing behind the camera, I think. But Thank you. From a film perspective, there was a lot of angles and close-ups and different things, different <laughs> shots. There's a shot yeah. with a, a close-up of a photograph with blood splatter on it that I really <laughs> liked. I was like, <laughs> Thank you. just a lot of the different things that happened and the
2: pacing that, stuff. That was shot was a complete in. accident. Was it? Yeah, the blood splattered was an accident. You know, I, I really am glad that I, it came off because that's my uh, grandmother that's her picture and so my parents oh, explained so, <laughs> like, uh, the picture i was about to call Doing it a happy real high stakes
0: but then you brought up, yeah <laughs> <For jet>. uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah
0: well it worked really well in your film man so thank you yeah
2: man. i appreciate that I,
1: i've noticed a lot of times that's kind of what happens that you just start filming stuff yep. you only know what will work yep. and then in editing you kind of plug it things in things happen yeah absolutely um i think it's interesting as somebody who kind of wore all the different hats while you're making the film, speaking of editing, you edited it, you shot it, <laughs> photography, you directed yeah. it, you starred in it. It was did sort you have, of a one, one man army. Did you have like a favorite piece of that that you preferred more than
2: you um, like writing
1: more than directing or something like that?
2: I mean, I, I love directing. I mean, I just love the like being in a visual medium, like being involved in that, you know. So, I mean, I try and always keep myself involved in anything I could do when it comes to a visual medium, so that being photography, videography, or you know, something to do with filmmaking. Mm-hmm. um, I would say personally from this experience, I really enjoyed acting. Like I love directing and I love, you know, being behind the scenes, but acting is a lot of fun. And um, it's certainly a lot of fun when people recognize your performance. You know, I, I was lucky mm, enough yeah. to have, you know, a lot of nice words spoken on my performance and uh, you know, that it meant a lot to hear. <laughs>
0: Especially yeah, uh, rocking an Irish accent.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> that that I, I caught a little bit of flack for, but everything else is pretty good. Hey man. More power to you. That is a ballsy move for your first, uh, first hour. <laughs> Listen, depending on who you ask, you know, if you ask someone from like America that they'll, they'll like it. But if you go to Ireland or any of those type of <laughs> countries, they they're going to oh. break me apart.
0: My ex-wife is from Scotland. So every time I'd hear mm-hmm. like American actors doing Scottish accents, I always thought, oh, this mm-hmm. is great. Harsh reality. Yeah
2: harsh (laughs) reality.
0: But I respect the decision, man. That was uh,
2: especially for that being the
0: first, like in front of the camera, actual little short film. Uh,
2: Ballsy. Yeah, I've never done any sort of like acting or anything. So thank you. I appreciate that.
0: So they brought up kind of like your, the approach towards your, your filmmaking. And I had watched a video that you posted Mm -hmm. of where you were reading some like, people's reviews and stuff about the, the short oh. film. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I was just curious yeah. to see like, all right, what else are like, what were people latching on to? Cause I, I like seeing that. Yeah. I like seeing what people gravitate towards, especially mm-hmm. in film. Um, mm-hmm. I was noticing a lot of people compared your stuff to like, they were seeing some Kubrick in there, a little bit of David Lynch. Yeah. And all that. I was afraid. Um, and... per- yeah. Personally. I felt I saw a little bit more like Robert Eggers in there. Was that yeah, like yeah. his kind of approach to stuff? Did that mm-hmm. inspire you? Especially it? the aspect ratio instantly reminded me of the lighthouse, which is one of my favorites. This reminds I, me I it put me in that Whitehouse. place, which is, I loved that.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I think that's a really good question. I, I honestly did not take anything from Eggers per se. Um, although one of the, uh, one of the few bad reviews okay. I got compared my film to the likes of a Robert Eggers film um, mm-hmm. but they also said that I made a corpse so I mean you can take that at face value yeah um, I think if the worst that happens is you're compared to Robert Eggers I think you're alright <laughs> um, but I think certainly me, Eggers, and I took inspiration from the same type of film. Actually, Robert Eggers is making a, a okay. Nosferatu remake next year. And um, my film, Headstone, certainly takes a lot of inspiration from the likes of Nosferatu and Dracula and those type of uh, early nineteen hundred silent horror films. So I, I think we're in the same boat. Uh, but no, I didn't really yeah. take much influence from Eggers himself. Yeah, I think okay. that makes a lot of sense. Well, hey, I liked- more
0: power to you, because I think that's a win thank you yeah
1: (laughs) absolutely i liked the format the choices you made with the the aspect ratio and the sepia tone and Mm -hmm. and film film grain and everything i felt like it added (laughs) well to uh feeling like it's actually a early 1900s Mm -hmm. uh little film thank you
2: yeah, I, I think with, in making Headstone, uh, alluding to what you guys were saying earlier about kind of swinging for the fences, I think a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, smaller filmmakers, uh, I, I think they're a little bit too uh, scared, I guess. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word choice, but I think they're a little too enclosed to, to make more ballsier and more uh, bold choices and trying mm-hmm. to get out there. You know, I think when you go on YouTube and you look up smaller filmmakers, a lot of them kind of tend to be around the same type of film, you know, like post-apocalyptic stuff. And um, I really just tried making something that was kind of out of the ordinary, I guess. And, uh, you know, there was certainly a lot of inspiration from the likes of, like, David Lynch and, and, like I said, a lot of those early 1900s silent horror films.
1: Yeah, I think I
2: you definitely get that. I'm
1: curious what other horror inspirations or what your favorite horror
2: movies are when it comes to uh, that kind of stuff. Well definitely a lot of David Lynch yeah. uh like just when I was making this film, just really the the emptiness of his films, kind of the the dread that comes along with in like experiencing his films, I, I think was certainly in the back of my mind. Um I took a lot of inspiration from Eraserhead, which is a personal favorite of mine. Mm. Um and it's I mean, really, like most of his films, it's it's not easy to interpret. And uh, I think Headstone is not, at least from my point of view and from what others have told me, it's it's not quite easiest to interpret, at least on the first watch. Um, so I, I think definitely a lot of David Lynch influence as well, in addition to everything else. Yeah, I could see that. There are definitely a few scenes that
1: I wasn't... I felt that it was definitely up to interpretation as far as yes. what the context of this is or or who these two people Mm. on screen are um, in relation to each other and things like that. So Mm. I could see that for sure. There was a a couple of really good, I guess, writing lines from a writing (laughs) perspective. Thank you. Uh, There's a spot where i think you say or your character says what good is love when your lover's in the fucking ground and I say, <laughs> i'm writing that down that is a really good thing yeah. <laughs> thank you and then that one scene the like long take scene where uh action happens off screen which i really liked the choice to do thank you. Um, off camera and then And then your character comes back and is Mm -hmm. covered in blood um when you you say amber isn't too far from me she's right next door that Mm -hmm. kind of broke me out chilled me i was like i "I don't i don't like that at all Uh,
2: I'm, i'm glad you felt that way thank you um yeah i think it's honestly the biggest up for interpretation moment in the film i mean I, I've really tried to let that door be open for a lot of the film and, and letting, you know, the viewer decide what's going on. Yeah. Um, but specifically with that scene, it's it's right there. Like, what's going on? Is this the real Amber? Is this some random woman he, he took off the street? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's really up to you to dictate how how far gone this guy is.
0: Now, I'm not going to ask you for your definitive answer, but <laughs> yeah. since you wrote it and all that. Yeah. Did you leave it to interpretation for yourself? Did you kind of try to like trick your own mind with when you wrote that scene? Or do
2: you have a very specific like answer to that? I think that's a really good question. I honestly hadn't thought about that myself. I the way I write, I write from the viewer's point of view. At least I try to. Um, okay. And so I, I don't I didn't necessarily try and answer any questions. Instead, I, I just tried coming up with ways in which the viewer would maybe observe it. Um, and so really it was okay. more so like theories and analogies that were in my head rather than answers and like definitive choices.
0: I okay. really like that actually. I think, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think there's too many times where movies want to give you a definitive answer. Yeah. Or audiences no, I, need a definitive answer. And
2: yeah, I kind of lean towards the like, no, I'll leave it open. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I think that's how you engage an audience like so that, man. Thank you. I, I think that's how you engage an audience and especially for a very small filmmaker, I, I think I kinda have to engage an audience in that type of way. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, it's I think it's a little bit ballsy, but it's you know, it's certainly what I want to do is is to really just try and engage an audience. Yeah, you have to capture their attention. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I think I think it's
1: a really interesting idea to set it in such a long time ago, because I imagine <laughs> the music is Public domain, and you can you mm-hmm. do a lot of interesting things that you couldn't do. Yeah. When I tried to make like a short film in high school, you of course want to use all your favorite music, and yeah. and it's all current and stuff, so it doesn't really mm. work as well. But I I thought that not only does it add to the setting and the ambiance, yeah. but it also makes practical sense.
2: Mm. Yeah, I, I had interest in doing an original score, like bringing on a composer, but um, ultimately I I, I kind of just went on to some popular period pieces from that time like music wise and i just i just took from that um but for my next film uh i'll I'll, i would like to have an original score attached what's your next film about uh yeah no i've actually been actively developing it uh pretty extensively it's sort of this crime drama film uh revolving around addiction and i have planned for it to be feature-length um and okay. it's heavily inspired by the likes of a uh, requiem for a dream uh directed by darren arnowski yes. okay i i freaking love that film and i admire that film so much that's and, one of uh, dustin's favorite films. hell yeah of all oh, time. It's, and me and you are in the same boat i
0: am I am a massive advocate for that film. Yes,
2: I just love Darren Aronofsky in general. I mean, The Wrestler (laughs) is just such a huge inspiration. Now we're talking. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) Requiem is a masterpiece. And uh, I I, I hope you guys check that out. I'd I'd love to come back on here for that. I think that's going to be a really fun watch. 100%, man. Definitely looking forward to it. 100%. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> You're speaking this hey, language. I'm in the same boat, man. I've never seen oh, it,
1: and yeah, you just... and we are talking about doing an episode on it in the next couple of weeks, and so I'm going to watch it for the first time, and he talks about it all the time, so it'll mm-hmm. be fun. Yeah. Hell yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know if fun is the best word <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I, I think with this material that I've been working with, I've been trying to channel the same disturbed uh, aura from Requiem. I mean, me personally, I wasn't yeah. disturbed by Requiem uh, because I just I have a hard time being disturbed from films. I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if I'm like emotionally <laughs> numb. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of like I can appreciate <laughs> it, but um, you know I, I can also recognize it without being disturbed. And so yeah. um, I'm really just trying to to withdraw from that aura uh, from Requiem onto this film. You know, a lot of the same themes and whatnot uh, of like just violence and and self-resentment and, and overall really addiction.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. <laughs> the big one for me mm-hmm. that I actually want to ask, um, actually wasn't pertaining directly to your, to a headstone, yeah. but just you as a filmmaker and just kind of your, your outlook on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Hollywood currently is kind of in a state of like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um, you as a this independent filmmaker very small but growing yeah kind of what is like your goal or your opinion on what the future of hollywood should look like yeah. needs to look like
1: yeah
2: as the or next possibly will that, next generation really how do you yeah that? it's certainly a very scary question i mean I was 17 when I made this film, I, I just turned 18 a few weeks ago. So it's certainly a long path from now for me to kind of sit there and, and think about it. But um, I mean, I, I would hope that smaller and more passionate individuals have the chance and the opportunity to c- just really pursue what they want to create, you know, tell those stories. Um, I mean, I you, know, you can have an hour long conversation about the, the lack of originality and, you know, that's, that's stuff that's already been passed around. I mean, everyone kind of knows that there's a certain lack of original originality in, in the industry right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I, you know, I, I would only hope that more doors are open for, for smaller creators such as myself as the years go on for sure.
1: Yeah. I think yeah. that's something that yeah. we're big advocates of that mm. we talk to a lot of small filmmakers and short filmmakers and mm-hmm. just excited about. Kind of supporting that vision yeah. and and the dreams that they have to thank you create new things i mean that's it's inevitable that mm. the old guard will move on and the next generation yeah. will take their
2: place and so i think encouraging <laughs> right, that right. <laughs> it's certainly th- it's certainly difficult when you know the old the old guard is you know this giant uh corporation just mass and yeah. of just suits really you know but Here's to hoping for some sort of like 60s and 70s independent cinema re- renaissance, per se. Yeah, uh, but oh, I mean, absolutely. The, the work that you guys are personally doing by giving creators such as myself a platform is incredible. Like, you know, the, you guys are, are giving my work and others uh, work, you know, a platform to display to other film fans. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth checking out. People should definitely do that. Um, One of my
1: favorite yeah. like special features I ever saw on DVDs was either from Signs or The Sixth Sense or something, and it was just old short films of M Night Shyamalan made when he was a kid, mm-hmm. and and that's where they all start. The ones that care a lot, if they start mm-hmm. making movies doing what (laughs) you're doing and some of them are silly and some of them are great and (laughs) there's little nuggets of inspiration that you just carry forward into Mm, the big projects of course
0: i think i think storytellers are important and stuff like what you're doing bud is thank you i i I look forward to seeing you produce more and seeing kind Thank of you. your. Growth. I, I really
2: appreciate that.
0: And and a storyteller primarily for me because I I love storytelling. Movies are mm-hmm. my favorite medium for that. So seeing where you're starting right now, uh, that's that's hopeful for for people like Jake and I. Where it's like you got enough passion to keep going, and mm-hmm. your first outing is it was pretty cool. Like. Thank you i didn't know what to expect your opening shot with like the music and all that i was instantly gone oh this kid he gets me up. this is going to be my kind of <laughs> thank you, like, <laughs>
2: I'm
0: you uh so i'm, I'm very uh, you know well both jake and i we are big advocates for for the little guy i mean mm. we're a tiny little yeah. giant <laughs> on for this independent show mm. i think I think Jake triggers more people and in getting into like arguments online over you know. <laughs> last Jedi is actually, going yeah, on. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: but we're always like, we want to support the little people mm-hmm. or the little guys, because it's important. We're the ones that, mm-hmm. you know, you guys as filmmakers, you're going to be the ones taking over at, at mm-hmm. some point. So yeah, we want to, we want to be there from, you know, the floor, the ground floor to yeah. see you grow. So this is really cool. It's it's special for us to have you on here. Dude, dude it's
2: yeah. it's my honor. Seriously, it's it's great to finally be on here. I think you guys had a great show going on. And I, I, I can't wait to, to see what the future holds for for the likes of both of our uh, creative endeavors. Yeah,
1: it will be great. Uh, before oh, we yeah. let you go, oh, yeah. we're gonna move on into our movie draft where we drafted a bunch mm-hmm. of movies for the year. Um, okay. And exorcist believer speaking of yes. original movies just came out and, um, <laughs> I'm curious if you have opinions about the exorcist remake or requel and also if you have a favorite horror movie
2: I, I do have a here. favorite horror movie i was talking about this the other day but um regarding uh the the requel um i mean I, I like leslie onum jr and uh i like ellen Burstyn, uh who's also in requiem um but i mean other than that i don't have anything else to, to think about with, when it comes to that film. I mean, I saw the the preview a few times in, in the theater, but um, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to check it out. <laughs> um,
1: We're both better at David Gordon Green for what it yes. did to Halloween, so I'm trying <laughs> to avoid makes. it too.
2: Um, and, and in terms <laughs> of a, a favorite horror movie from this year, I really, really enjoyed Talk To Me. Like I thought that was a phenomenal film. And uh, the lights went out in my theater. like the The, the power went out. <laughs> mid-watch so you had to imagine oh. how fast my heart was racing watching the yeah. film. That's like a bonus, oh, man. yeah. Experience. Jesus, that reminds nice. me of like
0: <laughs> back in the day when uh I was in high school, mm-hmm. my friends and I went and saw the ring in the yeah. theater, like opening <laughs> night, and after the opening of like scene in that film someone's cell phone which yeah. this was the early days of cell phones dude so it's weird he didn't really someone's phone it, yeah. began to ring right at the opening of the film oh my god it, the whole
1: theater was just like we're gonna kill that person <laughs> this is this is it he's voted <laughs> off all right well jr plug whatever you want to plug feel free shout out whatever you want to do where can people uh, find you
2: well um i mean obviously the youtube if you want to watch headstone of solitude i really appreciate everyone who goes and even takes time to just check out at least 10 minutes of the film um mm. i mean and if it's not your cup of tea that's okay you know mm. the, the biggest thing i appreciate is uh, that person that'll sit down and, and take time out of the day to to watch when i create so um definitely check out headstone on youtube yeah. and uh sid cinematics on instagram as well and um uh, if you if you like headstone you can rate it on imdb and uh letterboxd and uh check out movie boners on instagram and, and youtube and everything else you can find a podcast on <laughs>
1: yeah you guys and should I, do that
2: and that's uh hey thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah we'll put a link to your movie and your cool. youtube channel in the description of this episode so it'll be easy for people awesome. to find definitely recommend checking it out i enjoyed it thoroughly
2: thank you yeah right.
1: very interesting film
0: uh, well, thank you, man. This was course. awesome. thank you guys we for having you. me.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure
2: it won't be the last time. We'll talk to you later. Absolutely, I- I'd love to come back <laughs> <Right. up laughs> on. It'll be an honor. Cool. Alrighty. Uh, so
1: there we go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was that was such a fun interview. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm so happy you didn't warn me about that. <laughs>
1: I didn't really know how, what we would do, or how we, I didn't have a plan. Uh, <laughs> what you see is what you get with this show.
0: Sorry, it probably isn't that funny, but that was fantastic.
1: It's funny to us if you go from where I led into the interview and then skip the interview and come back to us. That's exactly what we experienced. <laughs> I just, anyway, I
0: just like the arm
1: movement that you did. And here we go. <laughs> all <I'm> right. <laughs> and we're back. Okay. It's, we're just trying to, it's like the man behind the curtain. You're not supposed to draw attention to, to Sorry, the production.
0: Sorry, us. We we draw attention yeah. all the time. Big uh, yeah. thank you to JR. It was a great interview. Uh, it was a lot of fun yeah. talking to you.
1: He was really cool. I did not know going into it that he was only 18 years old. I was very impressed that, uh, he presented himself in a much more mature manner, which was very surprising, but also very cool. Yeah. I have a lot of hope for the next generation of filmmakers. Me too. Me too. So, right. okay, so let's get into the episode and uh, and move on to the John Carpenter stuff that we were going to talk about.
0: Oh, yeah. We're going to skip all of the uh, the housekeeping shit, huh? Cool.
1: Yeah, we don't we don't need to we don't need to do any of the housekeeping stuff. I think that I actually don't remember of any housekeeping that we need to do. There's no no need for any of that. Does that mean okay, that since brought, I have since officially taken
0: up. the lead in the draft? Is that is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, it kind of does mean that, yeah. So <laughs> for the first time since the beginning of April it's with a heavy heart that I have to say that Dustin has taken the lead in the movie draft and by a decent amount, it started out as like a couple thousandths of a point, but freaking the Exorcist Believer and Expendables 4 are just tanking, just dropping more and more every single day in the <laughs> IMDb rating. And So, yeah, so I am absolutely losing thoroughly. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. You have six more movies to come out this year, and I have two. Okay. And uh, so the goal for me is for my $600 million lead to hang on and also have several of these movies Bring your average back down because, I mean, the Marvels might, uh, Hunger Games probably won't, Wish probably won't. I have minimal hope at this point. I'm a little, little sad. You're about a little it.
0: sad about this one.
1: I feel it slipping through my fingers as we talk. Yes. All right, all right. It's great. It's also weird that this week the two biggest movies at the box office. Our movies that neither of us drafted. <laughs> I so was trying to remember, like, did and... either of
0: us get Killers of the Flower Moon?
1: And then I remember... Well, I didn't think it was going to go to theaters. I <laughs> thought it was like, a, like the Irishman that went straight to straight streaming. Straight to Apple,
0: yeah, because it's being marketed as an Apple movie, so...
1: Yeah. And then uh, no, nobody knew that Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, was going to come out in theaters. Okay. And that is cleaning up at the moment as number one. Yeah. Yeah. As it should, but, you know. (laughs) So, yes, you caught me. I was going to skip all of this nonsense, but congratulations for the moment. We'll see what happens in the next couple of months.
0: All right. All right. We (laughs) shall see. Uh, You watch anything new?
1: Um, Yes, I did. Me too. speaking of that uh, spoiler episode with Martin from Film vs. Film, I told you last time that I would watch the creator and I did. And I would tell you that I would give you my thoughts on it, even though you already know, cause you did a whole episode spoiling it with me and him with Martin, but just for the listener's sake, yes, I saw it. Yes. You were pretty much right. That my hype was a little bit, uh, led me to be disappointed a little bit. Yeah. Um, I would say a fair amount, quite a bit, actually. Um, Visually, great. I think we all agreed on that, that it was visually really good. But all of the plot and questions and message of the movie, other movies have done in a much better way already. And so there wasn't a lot really new or or terribly interesting there. I did think, I couldn't stop thinking how nefarious it was for the AI to put this super computer or the super weapon whatever they call it inside the body of a child Mm -hmm. and then use that to emotionally manipulate humans as if it actually was a child when it's clearly not um and i was disappointed that the humans actually did you know care for it as if it was a child when it's just a computer i don't understand so Uh,
0: yeah for you new (laughs) listeners um if you're going whoa what the hell we hate ai you should listen to our blade runner yeah. episodes to hear us tell you just how much we don't trust ai <laughs> fuck ai fuck it
1: you should not, not trust ai it it's not go for you yeah <laughs> so yeah so there's a lot more to it uh, and i'd highly recommend that film versus film spoiler episode but in general that's kind of my thoughts yeah. on it yeah. i would say it was it was okay i really hope Met rebel moon is good now in december <laughs> that was my other thing to look forward yeah, to for the rest yeah. of the year uh and then well the other new thing i saw was taxi driver which we did a full episode on and uh it's a movie that i've been meaning to see for a really long time and hadn't uh, so i was glad that we kind of were forced to by that episode and i liked that movie quite a bit i think i'll see it more and more um it kind of has stuck with me even since we did that. Oh yeah. So talking about it and I've had more thoughts about it. So it is definitely a very interesting movie. And then the rest of my time has basically been watching a show. I think it's on like discovery channel or something called homestead rescue. And it's all about, this is like a reality show. Like it does not like a normal, uh, whatever, uh, what do you is, call that? Awareness is this gonna be another kind
0: or? of show like your uh what is that love at first sight or whatever that bullshit is that you watch on Netflix? No,
1: it's not like Love is Blind and Love is Blind is a fun show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. Although Homestead Rescue is really cool because kind of I feel like it's educational, at least for me in my interests, because it's about this family that lives in Alaska and they basically go around and help people who are trying to create homesteads they're kind of trying, to, oh, trying okay. to create like an off the grid cabin where they grow their own food and get their own power and water and all the stuff but they're all failing for whatever reason and these people have been doing it for a really long time so they go to help them get back on their feet and figure stuff out and impart some knowledge and stuff so as someone who needs to probably build a chicken coop next year and tries to tries to get a garden going it's been pretty interesting to get some ideas from there so i've been enjoying that so, but that's about it.
0: So, if you did, you notice the irony in like everything you just said, though.
1: That I'm watching no that uh, TV show that but, but
0: no. it's about people trying to get off the grid, but they have a film crew there showing where they're trying to get off the grid and
1: MP. Yeah, well, they're not like conspiracy theorists. Often. I didn't say like, that. I'm just saying. Cell oh, okay. Because
0: I was like,
1: <laughs> they're kind of. It's just that they don't need to be reliant on the power from the power company in case the power goes out. They want their own source of power or the water or in case the water like dries up, they need their own source of water and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Or if, if, if the pandemic happens and you can't get toilet paper anywhere or food anywhere, or if eggs are like $10, you need to figure out how to get your own stuff. Okay. It's just like that kind of okay. stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. How many times have you watched Terrifier 2 since last time we watched?
0: Uh, only, like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hate you, you look so sheepish right now.
0: <laughs> uh, it, it may have been a couple times. Um,
1: uh-huh. It may I have been a couple it. times.
0: But no, no, no I, I've been watching uh, John Carpenter movies, uh, especially after mm. you and I kind of, like, realized I was not on the same page and was way behind.
1: Uh, yeah, we're watching like two two or three of his movies, right? And I was like, no, we're watching nine. <laughs> yeah, and I was like,
0: fuck! Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I only ended up watching Terrifier 1 and 2 like a couple more times. Um, fell asleep. It's already become like a movie I watched to help me go to sleep. So I love that movie. That's good. Uh, yep, but we already know that. <laughs> Uh, no, I did watch something new because okay. I, I haven't really talked about it, but it has been probably my most like hyped up, anticipated show of the year. and it finally came out and it was amazing. So as you know, Jake, I'm a big fan of Mike Flanagan's stuff on Netflix, and the yeah. fall of the House of Usher finally came out and I I think I only ever binge his stuff. I don't binge any other show. I watch an episode of something (laughs) and I'm like, cool, whatever. His shit comes on and I'm like, well, I'm dedicating a whole afternoon to this. (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah. It was (laughs) so good. It's so good.
1: (laughs) That's great to hear.
0: Um, As a fan of like Edgar Allan Poe's stuff, to see something modern that like actually does a really good job of, adapting his work into kind of a modern setting and does it in such a Mm -hmm. at times clever and then very obvious ways but it never seems I don't know forced or whatever it's just it's really well done Mike Flanagan is I think underrated I think if you're a horror fan and you're not a fan of Mike Flanagan you're you got some rethinking to do because he is so good (laughs) at what he does Uh, but yeah, yeah so I became obsessed with the fall of House of Usher because it's amazing. Okay. Yep. And then, I'm
1: excited about that. We plan to uh, binge it this yeah, weekend right around the Halloween season.
0: It Like his other stuff, it's a nice slow burn. It has a couple moments that you're like, ooh, okay. And then it's got just weird as hell moments throughout it. <laughs> and I was so happy about that. Um, and then I watched this other movie. I It was just a random, kind of like what we used to do, where it was like, we'll hit the random button and watch whatever <laughs> pops up yeah it was kind of like that uh i came across this movie from 2020 nope that's wrong i don't remember what year anyways it's called the lodge um it is about I don't know. this couple this man and his fiancee who take the man's two kids to this lodge way out in the middle of nowhere during the winter, they're going for Christmas to spend Christmas there. The kids don't want to spend any time with the, the soon to be stepmom, And she wants to be there yeah. to like build a relationship. Um, but then weird shit happens at the, at this lodge and she has like a cultish background. So that kind of plays into some of the weird shit that goes on. And as I was watching, I was like, seriously, what the what is wrong with me why am i watching this shit luckily it's not like this isn't a spoiler but it's not like super culty it's just kind of it has elements
1: in it subtext yeah yeah Yeah. Uh,
0: it was okay it was okay i was really like bumming hard on it for a little bit (laughs) but it was one of those movies where the final frame of the movie was like okay i'll i'll give you a little bit for that one that was okay
1: (laughs) finish strong
0: yeah yeah so all right and, and that was really it that was really it just those because fall of house oh god seriously dude fall of house of usher i loved it i oh man i love yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i've been thinking a lot about um revisiting midnight mass which i've only oh. seen once but absolutely loved midnight mass is and i was good. like <sighs> i want to watch it again knowing the whole story like where it ends up mm-hmm. and how it ends it gets crazy it's very slow burn like you said yeah Sl- all right Let's so do- now now we can actually get into the episode and it's been a while since we've done an episode about a filmmaker specifically we've mm-hmm. previously done episodes on quentin tarantino and M. Night Shyamalan, who are both also great writer directors in their own right but uh, one thing they don't do is compose an original music score for their movies and so i think that that edges out or leads i don't know adds another dynamic to the great uh, john carpenter Mm -hmm. And so we thought that it would be fun to talk about him as a filmmaker and also kind of his most i guess you could say pure movies pure stories the ones that he did the most on wasn't Didn't have as many cooks in the kitchen, you could say. Yeah. So there's nine movies where he wrote and directed and composed, at least uh, did all three of those roles. A lot of them he did other things as well, like editing and uh, all kinds of stuff.
0: Yeah, his his movies are interesting because they're always listed as John Carpenter's and then, you know, the title. Uh, And it really is because he does, whether it's composing, writing, and directing, he's either doing all those three or he's doing like co-producing co-editing or he'll do like the score only for a film. He, he won. Mm -hmm. I think it was the, uh, not the Bram Stoker award for music. He won some award for his original score for the new Halloween, uh, trilogy. Although those movies suck, his music is good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, he is a a one man band when it comes to filmmaking. And I think it's interesting that he does either science fiction action or horror, Mm -hmm. or he does kind of a weird combination of all three. And it's always, it always has a unique look to it. His music, you can always tell because it's got that like synthesizer kind of aspect to it. His movies are always, we were just talking slow burns, John Carpenter, is at his best when he's making a patient slow burn film Mm. um i think later years in his career like early 2000s kind of tripped up a little bit but yeah but that happens uh no one makes however many movies he has i forget what the total under his belt but it's a lot and has a perfect record. Um, and I think it's also funny, his movies, a lot of them actually have been flops, mm-hmm. but then after their flops, they've they've become like almost, let's just skip the box office success and we'll go to actual success. <laughs> and cult classics, they're viewed
1: Legendary, as like, yeah.
0: this is top tier. John Carpenter is mm-hmm. considered a legend in Hollywood because he is. Uh
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of interesting to me because he has a very, I guess, very simplistic or kind of matter-of-fact style. Yeah. Like, it's not overly stylized. It's very kind of cut and dry, the the way that he shoots movies. And and so they often started out and feel like B-movies. Mm-hmm. But the, the, because of, I guess, the purity of them and the way that they were written and directed they definitely all majority of them grow to be that kind of cult classic status yeah. which is very very interesting um he said he said some interesting things um from a writing perspective i think that he's talked about if you like you said, all of his movies kind of can blend those different genres together. And that was one thing I was noticing watching the movies that I remember as like an action movie or a sci-fi movie. I'm like, these are actually pretty scary at the same time. <laughs> there's a lot of heavy horror elements involved here. Yeah. And and he's talked about how horror is very simple because if you just sit there and think about what scares you, then that is probably going to be scary to everybody because we're all human and you can easily tap into that human uncomfortability Mm -hmm. with murderers or stalkers or whatever it ends up being.
0: Yeah. He, uh, I love his take on it. It was funny seeing that he, uh, he said he was like a big fan of the, what he calls the cheap scare, which Mm -hmm. all of us would know it as the jump scare. And for some reason, I just never associated him with jump scares. And then revisiting some of his movies, uh, I was like, oh, he does. He does jump scares a lot, but his jump scares Mm -hmm. feel different. They don't feel like what he would call a cheap scare. They actually come across as kind of like, oh, no, that's actually effective. Like, you know, when you're watching the thing and the thing, you know, jumps out or comes out or you see a head crawling across the floor suddenly it's Mm -hmm. you watch halloween and michael punches through the closet door it's
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think maybe the reason it feels not as cheap is because it it is earned in the sense that there's that build-up of tension and then and then you wait so long for something to happen and you expect it to happen and it doesn't happen. And then when it finally does unexpectedly, there's kind of that release of energy in your <laughs> right. body at the same time. And you're like, finally, I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when.
0: Yeah. And he's he has such a unique eye for like monster design or just how he writes his his villains Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting for like Assault on Precinct 13, which should actually be titled Assault on uh, Precinct 9, but in District 13. Uh, (laughs) 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 But that was a studio decision. That's Um, a very long title. Yeah. Uh, His villains are like, I, I mean, the villains in that movie, he based them off of like, the zombies and night of the living dead which i thought was interesting and then watching it because i went into it knowing that little tidbit so i was like really curious to see how his villains acted and what they looked like mm-hmm. and at first i was like oh, i mean they're quiet but then there's the whole actual like where they're congregating outside the precinct and it was very much oh that's that's a good mm-hmm. nod to Romero and to this this monster movie that yeah. like helped inspire or, or at least influence
1: breaking through the window yeah,
0: yeah to, it, it was really fun to, to watch through. that and see like his his influences come out, but in a I guess not a like tongue and cheek or kind of wink way it's just there. Mm-hmm. If you catch it, you're cool. If you don't catch it, you you'll have no idea that you saw the nod i I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, with how he's done that before, and he's he's fun. He throws in like yeah. cheesy stuff now and again. I think, uh, you know, there was a couple on on his list of his trifecta that I had never seen before. Which was a like, hey, let's let's see where this guy started and how I feel about his early stuff. Dude, I was cracking um, up during Dark Star, his first film. I thought that was like. <laughs> It's so low budget, even for 1974, Um, like it is shockingly low budget, but I enjoyed it. I thought this is just a silly good time. Like this is, I like this. Yeah. And the alien in it is, (laughs) dude, I haven't laughed that hard at an alien design in a long time. I was so happy about that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, the, like, beach ball alien mascot with, guy. With, with
0: weird hand things that, like, sticks to the walls. and
1: <laughs> Yeah, Dark Star was definitely interesting, and I had never seen it before either, and I was interested in it. Um, it's funny, Martin mentioned it on the Film vs. Yep. Film podcast because there's a reference to Dark Star in the creator that we didn't get because we hadn't watched it yet. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's it's a very fun movie that is very dry kind of humor. Like when I first started it, I didn't anticipate that all these guys were joking around. And so I felt like I missed some and I had to go back and rewatch it. I was like, oh, I, I get what's going right. on here. It, it was very, it, they were obviously guys who had been in space for a very long time on this mission and just uh, kind of getting punchy with each other. And yeah, it's it's a very kind of a, I guess, satirical story about these scientists and their mission in space to destroy planets. Like they blow up planets. It's interestingly his only movie that's rated uh G. Yeah. <laughs> All <of> his <laughs> other movies are rated R, which was wild to me. Uh
0: well if if you talked to Hit or asked him, he would tell you that the fog should have been PG and not rated R. Uh because he, he purposely yeah. took blood out of that film to achieve a lower rating but the MPAA still didn't like the idea of watching guys get stabbed all the way through. And <laughs>
1: yeah, they're probably still traumatized by Halloween, too. So, yeah, like this guy, he doesn't get past. <laughs> and it's almost like he just decided
0: to lean into it with his, his yeah. following projects. It's like, fine, this is what I'm going to do
1: right yeah it just becomes this is the john carpenter way now yeah
0: i thought it was interesting uh i had never known this but i guess like old howard hawks westerns or just westerns in general are actually his biggest influence and like what kind of got him into the love of film and yet he's never made a western film i thought that was Kind of interesting. I, I would have figured he would have tried to make a western early on, especially like during that time, like the seventies, eighties, when westerns were were bigger mm-hmm. than what you know. Uh, but yeah, now, like, yeah, that's so interesting. And then trying to watch some of his movies with that mentality—that's to me. I don't know if I just wasn't catching it, but I, I couldn't find a lot of like western influence. <laughs> I, I don't know I, I thought like I guess Assault on Precinct uh, 13 might have the most western influence yeah. in it but the rest of his films I, I really don't I've never really caught it I I, I
1: feel like there's a there's a ref, references or I guess kind of homages in Escape from New York mm, and Escape okay, from LA yeah. and especially Snake Plissken's kind of anti-hero character he's kind of a A cowboy guy with who's on the run and a lone gun gunman that kind of thing there might be things there for sure Uh, but yeah I like you I the only reason I thought that he was a fan of John Wayne and Rio Bravo and stuff is because I noticed uh, I forget what movie but in one of his movies there's a writer Who's the name of John Wayne's character in that movie? Oh, yeah. And I was like, looked it up, and it's actually John Carpenter was the writer of the movie, but it, he used John Wayne's character's name as his pseudonym. And I guess he does that a lot because uh, he'll put in some random pseudonym as the editor, even though he's the one that edited <laughs> it right. or something like that. Because he said it's because. He gets tired of seeing his own name on everything. Like, he'll be, John Carpenter's this movie, written by John Carpenter, composed by John Carpenter, (laughs) directed by John Carpenter, edited by... And so he just gets sick of it and throws in random names instead. Well, it's almost like, dude, if
0: you don't like to see your name that many times, like, hire a crew. There are people that can do (laughs) this for you. But then at the same time, it's like, or, you know, just
1: you do you. Cause, yeah, there's like a an interesting amount of humility. He's like, I want to do it. I want to do all those things. I like yeah. doing all the roles. I just don't want all this credit or <laughs> praise uh, applied to me, which is interesting. It's true. It's true. Um, I really enjoyed how he includes so many actors that he's worked with before in every movie. Yeah. Like, it makes it really fun to watch kind of all of his movies back to back because you're like the here's jamie lee curtis in the fog here's all of these (laughs) uh all like all of these characters and all not characters but actors and stuff they all just reoccur and there's a really interesting chart on wikipedia on Jar jarkopreneur's page where it's like this actor was in these four movies and it's just a whole chart of the whole thing which is really fun
0: yeah, watching, like, going through his movies back to back and seeing the same, like, it's not a lot of them. It's it's a few of them popping mm-hmm. up here and there. It, it was fun for me because it's like, you know, it, it kind of brings me back to the, the Adam Sandler thing that you and I have talked about where he's always with his core group. And you can mm-hmm. tell that they're just, they, they must enjoy each other genuinely to keep wanting to work together. And you can tell that with John Carpenter and these cast members where they just constantly just show up. It's like he must make such a good environment and just like a a well-maintained work area or whatever, like to Mm -hmm. keep these people wanting to keep working with him and, and playing some of these characters go through some of these intense situations. I I think that says a lot about his character where they trust him enough that they want to keep coming back for more. Yeah. Yeah so i just i realized something during this uh and i felt kind of bad about it because i was like i've i've always obviously i'm a giant fan of halloween the original halloween mm-hmm. um and michael myers and all that and and i'm a fan of, you know in the mouth of madness is one of my all-time favorite horror films in general and yeah i i love the thing like they live, all of these movies I love, but I, I've just, I, I guess I've always kind of taken them for granted or some of them for granted. So I'm watching all these movies this last week and I, I kind of had a realization where I was like, you know, I think I'm a way bigger John Carpenter fan and I think he mm-hmm. deserves, he kind of deserves to be put higher on the, the echelon of iconic horror creators than Wes Craven, yeah. like yeah. don't at me, but I feel <laughs> like he deserves it for for what he's produced or the the quantity and the quality of a lot of his films. I feel he really is on the Mount Rushmore of like thriller horror uh, filmmakers. Yeah, I, I, his stuff. I I just kind of realized that it was like. I I love, I'm a fan of his even more than I realized. Like, this is crazy. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) No, I felt the same way for sure. Because I like, I was watching all of these movies and I felt like a lot of them I had seen before, but I felt like I was kind of approaching them all with new eyes, Mm -hmm. thinking of them as thinking of them in the aspect of him writing it and him directing it and him composing it. I was thinking of like how all these pieces fit together and what, it accomplishes what he's trying to accomplish with these films and yeah there were a lot where i was like i really like i like i enjoyed halloween before this but then rewatching, i was like it's so technically intense and well done mm-hmm. and 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 well put together and it's not obviously not the first time that you've been put in the killer's point of view before but it's they're just the way that it's done and then the reveal that it's a kid and all this stuff it's like for this to be an original story and to reveal like this is an amazing oh yeah. amazing story and it, and the way it builds up slowly over time and you see so much over his shoulder before you even see him in his face and his mask uh you it's just all of the things in all of his movies, whether it's They Live or Escape from New York or whatever, especially the sci fi ones, obviously, I'm like, these are such incredible ideas and and I don't know, I just found them so engrossing that even though they're I mean they're 70s, 80s, pretty low budget, R rated movies, but he 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 does such a good job of executing an idea and kind of just making it iconic on its face. Yeah. And also, he doesn't have any extra fluff in his movies. Like, it's a tight ninety minutes, pretty much for all of his movies. <laughs> like, he doesn't ever go over the top. He's like, let's just get in, tell the story, get out. And I just love the simplicity of and the rawness of all of his movies.
0: Yeah, yeah. You could tell with like, you know, when I when I watched Ghosts of Mars, which I had never seen before, so it was the first uh-huh. time watching it. Um, I I've always known that it was like kind of a failure all around. Yeah. Um, and I could, my thought when I was watching it was this feels a little too gimmicky. The, like, mm-hmm. this didn't feel like John Carpenter to me. This felt like, yeah, we're going to get a little more pizzazz with what's going on. We're, we're He kind of lost mm-hmm. the simplicity of it. I think the cast was kind of wrong as well but that's just me Mm -hmm. um but yeah i felt ghost of mars was trying either too hard to go gimmicky and i know he came out and was like i wanted to make just a kind of a silly over-the-top sci-fi action movie that's just entertaining and Mm -hmm. i think i think he tried too hard for that i think if he had stuck with his formula especially like you know, with dark star, if he would have tapped back into that, uh, kind of his roots or even, I mean, he could have even gone the silly route or just uh, over the top stuff like he has. And like they live where it yeah. works so well in that. But I think he just, I, I don't know, something, so he got tripped up somewhere with ghost of Mars. And I, I did find myself being like this movie's a bummer, but
1: <laughs>
0: everyone's gotta make like one that you're just like, Ooh, this one's not, yeah. not there, bud. Nope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think from what I could tell, Ghosts of Mars, um, and then the Ward, I think, was the was the last movie he directed in 2010. Yeah, it seems like he's kind of gotten away from directing movies. That he's not really a fan of it anymore, and I could understand with all of the studio interference and mm-hmm. this is what a john carpenter movie needs to be and he's like excuse me i'm john i am carpenter. john it's carpenter whatever i think it's I know whatever what it i needs. want it to be <laughs> yeah and so now he just seems to just focus on the composing music which is yeah. good definitely and, and
0: cool. like co-writing video games i guess he co-wrote fear 3 um and doing music mm-hmm. for video games and he's touring he has like this album it's uh what is it called lost souls three or something like that uh that is oh, that's where cool. he did tour um which i think is cool like this dude is so comfortable he knows what he likes he knows what he's doing so he just keeps doing mm-hmm. it. But the man's like 80 something years
1: old isn't he 70 yeah, years old old as fuck he was, I thought when you said he was touring, I thought you were gonna say he's touring with the Coupe de Villes, his like band with the original Michael Myers and Nick Castle, who he writes movies with. It it could be. I
0: mean he's he's his concerts are his original okay. scores, but it's done like with not just an orchestra, but like a band mm-hmm. and stuff too. So I think that's just kind of cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that is cool yeah right before ghost of mars he uh did escape from l.a which i think has kind of the same problems of trying to go over the top yeah. there's a lot of like really awkward cgi uh, the digital effects are pretty rough in it i mean it's 1996 but i don't know it falls into the push. Feeling like that it looks so real and then it totally doesn't look so real.
0: Yeah. Well, and he's escaped from LA is an interesting one because he's always been known to be kind of anti-sequel or I shouldn't say anti-sequel, but he doesn't want to direct any sequels mm. to his films. He feels like, why would I make the same movie twice? He'll like go write it never done. or he'll. You know, produce it or do the music for it, do which he's done with some of the Halloween sequels throughout the years. Um, so him to come back and actually direct Escape from L.A., you would think like, hey, this should be cool. But again, mm-hmm. you're trying too hard, and that one's that one's weird to me because that one comes right after one of my favorites which is done yeah. so well with like cool practical effects. Yeah, it has some weird <laughs> CGI, but it's like. It's interesting CGI, it, it's freaky mm-hmm. CGI, it's. But the practical effects and just the mind trip that is in the mouth of men is it's kind of a bummer to go for me personally to go from something so bizarre yeah. and crazy to <laughs> not. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, I definitely get wanting to make another escape movie and Kurt Russell is great as Snake Plissken. Right. And, and they had decent ideas with it being set in L.A. instead of New York and doing all the L.A. things like star maps. And the, the, th- the thing that I think works the best is the surgical... A plastic surgery place where he get he goes in and there's a guy that they're just cutting people's limbs off and right. attaching them to their bodies <laughs> to try to augment, uh, implant other people's bodies onto their faces and other areas. And that is like scary and gruesome. And I'm like, I, I get it. Like this is the most extreme version of the LA lifestyle, uh, which is definitely what they go for. And there's fun jokes like the gridlock on the highways yeah. and stuff like that. Like it's, it's LA, of course. It's the highway side. Yeah. but yeah, the the it is a terrible idea to have Snake Plissken playing basketball. I will have to admit <laughs> that scene always. I'm like, why? Why are we doing this right now?
0: It's like so. Escape from LA was '96, right? And then yeah. in
1: '90, 90... height kind of like Laker fever, I'm sure.
0: It had to have been something. When did... uh, This is a a stretch, but you'll you'll get the connection. Okay. Uh, When did Alien Resurrection come out? Was that like 97,
1: 98? Oh, my God. It was 97. Okay. So
0: what the fuck was going on? I mean, I get it. The bulls (laughs) were huge. Like, America Uh was into basketball. Uh, (laughs) But did we really have to try and incorporate like horror sci-fi heroes or anti-heroes <laughs> having to play basketball. Like what the?
1: Yeah. It's it's like, we like basketball, but you don't have to shoehorn it into every <laughs> sci-fi horror movie that we have.
0: There are moments where you're like, wow, the studio interference is thick with this one mm-hmm. right here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. <laughs> I'm shocked although I do have love Steve Michael Jordan show
0: up or anyone from the Blues, right like cameo for <laughs> some reason uh yeah some um,
1: <laughs> product placement or something but I think for
0: him like carpenter's early stuff I mean it's so good and when I say i I guess early these days I'm going from dark star to like well, I guess Mouth of Madness would be probably the last, like, great one to me that he did. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that timeline, and that's still, like, 20 years, give or take, right?
1: Yeah, Mouth of Madness was 1994, and Dark Star was 1974, so so
0: exactly 20 years. Yeah, so a 20-year run where, personally, I felt, every one of these is just so good. And I think you hit it right on the head of just, he has a simplistic, a simple like direction that he knows he wants to go. He knows how he wants to achieve it. And he's not going to get super flashy. I mean, even in the fog, which could easily have gone the route of over the top or like, you're trying so hard, Mm -hmm. especially what 1980 um, when some of that, like, new digital effects are really starting to come out. Yeah. Uh, I think it says a lot that he was reserved and maintained Mm -hmm. just kind of the allure. I I love the fact that you never actually see or or get like too close of a look of the ship Mm -hmm. crew. I thought that like, if this is an accident, awesome, but this doesn't feel like an accident (laughs) and it's way more effective that you yeah. just get their their silhouettes in the in the fog, or you just get that intense like lady. You are making the worst decision being stuck on the lighthouse. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? But I get what you're doing, and you got shadows coming mm-hmm. after you. Like that original fog. Yeah, man. it's <laughs> yeah.
1: it's one of the, I think the best movies that isn't talked about enough. Like obviously people talk about Halloween. Yeah, they start to talk about they live more, which is nice because it's incredible. <laughs> But nobody talks about how great the fog is. And I definitely agree with you. I think because of those choices, it holds up so well 43 years later. Yeah. That you don't have digital fog. You have just smoke billowing and it's naturally lit and it's real silhouettes of people in the fog and you don't know who they are or what they're doing until <laughs> right. they try to kill you. It's just, it. it's, it's so like fog is such a thing. That's so benign to normal people. Like obviously if you're out in the ocean, it's a concern, but for normal people, it's like the fog's coming in. Like nobody cares. It doesn't really matter. The, the
0: worst that it and is it is like, God, driving is going to suck.
1: But most yeah, of the time it's like, it's like, Oh, I'll be mildly inconvenienced for a day, <laughs> but <laughs> But then for it to actually use that as this mechanism and the whole backstory in the April 21st and the whole history of the town, and it's just so well built up that by the time it actually things start happening and the fog starts killing people or the, the ship crew in the fog. I don't know. It's just, it's one of those movies that I think me, people definitely need to see and it needs to be appreciated. It was more
0: one, more. as a fan of the genre, I was rewatching it. I haven't seen that original fog in years man i mean like years <laughs> and i was re-watching it and i just kept thinking oh my god this is <laughs> such a, like this is a great movie it's suspenseful mm-hmm. it's unique and and i i had to chuckle because i was like jake and i just started just got done talking about on on the top 10 horror of like our love for when a movie can create lore for this whole story yeah the, you know, let's let's create a mythology for this town and create all this stuff, this backstory. And that's what we're gonna base this horror element off of. I mm. think it really is such a great callback to like old like even before film was a thing where it was just in the storybooks and just like old yeah. folklore, you know, spoken word and all that. Um
1: yeah told
0: around a campfire. Right, and and I love that the opening scene is literally Mm. the lore being told around a campfire, Uh, even if that Mm. was a scene added afterwards because the movie was too short and they were like (laughs) we we need you to lengthen."
1: Gotta get to 89
0: (laughs) minutes Come on, man Um, But I was like, I was sucked into it so fast and I I felt like I was watching it for the first time because I hadn't seen it in so long and there were definitely Mm. scenes that I totally just forgot about and was like, this is so fucking good. <laughs>
1: like, yeah.
0: And I'm with you. I think more people need to, to revisit it or visit it in the first place because it's such a good example of the practical effects and just kind of originality. Just mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like a, a kind of a Stephen King thing where he takes like something that could be very silly but he he spins it in such a a unique way that the silliness actually can be suspenseful and be kind of scary. And then some of the, Mm -hmm. like, what would normally be a scary moment, that's where they're going to put the silliness on. I I really (laughs) like, because Carpenter will do that a lot of the time. Um, Yeah. But yeah, the fog was like, this is (laughs) so good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think think that's a very appropriate comparison. I think that there's a lot of parallel with Stephen King and it's particularly with this, with the fog. I think people assume it's exactly like the mist or very similar to the mist. Uh, it's very different, but I, again, also kind of has similar, there's similar ideas. Yeah.
0: A fog or the mist having stuff in it. That's a mystery to you. That that's a danger to you. Um, right. I think the mist is definitely more depressing. Um, yeah, that ending, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> every time um i was excited to see uh prince of darkness because you know carpenter is yeah. always considered the thing prince of darkness and then in the mouth of madness is like his apocalypse trilogy which was the original thing that i thought we were going to be like doing <laughs> uh
1: yeah which I am also psyched about. You've talked about In the Mouth of Madness forever. You yeah. talked about it last time on our top 10 horror movies. You love that movie. I really do. I had never seen In the Mouth of Madness still, and I, but I also never had seen Prince of Darkness. And so I was like, I love the thing. I need to start putting together the pieces from this apocalypse right. trilogy and see what it's about. So I was also very excited about Prince of Darkness.
0: Dude, halfway through <laughs> yeah. Prince of Darkness, I was like, how is this movie not talked about like constantly yeah. for the genre. This it movie is genius. It I like as a fan of Halloween, the the kind of fan <laughs> I am of Halloween, as a as big of a fan as I am mm. of in the Mouth of Madness and his, his other work, I could not help but think is Prince of Darkness like his like mm. is this his masterpiece cuz this movie is I was blown away by how fucking great that movie is.
1: Yeah. You're not wrong. It's definitely debatable for sure. I know everybody will say the thing is his best. uh, It's the most praised. But I, I think the argument is there. That Prince of Darkness, like when I say it's genius, it's not hyperbole. I genuinely was sitting there and I was like, this movie is brilliant on so many levels. Like for it to be a movie about... I love... Again, I love the idea of it particularly, which is these all of these scientists and and physicists and very intelligent and very mm-hmm. like trained people being called to this situation where they need to investigate a force uh, and and it's a mystical or potentially malevolent spiritual force that they need to take measurements on and use their applied physics and theoretical physics yeah. and all this stuff to try to figure out and just how they go about it and what they tr- the data they try to collect and how it messes with them and manipulates them and and interacts with them and and overtakes them it's like this it's just such a good idea and it's pulled off so well and in, like all those other movies kind of builds up and builds up and then goes crazy <laughs> uh, i i definitely think it's among his best yeah top top three or four i
0: was i was blown away by it i just every scene i thought right off the gate i was like man the pacing in this is Mm -hmm. it's so well done because the whole opening with the the score that he has going just the like yeah he's getting you ready he's getting you ready and then he's (laughs) still getting you ready you're just like Jesus Christ, what am I about to watch? And I just love that he maintains that. And he maintains, I thought he did a great job of directing and writing like the tension between some of the scientists, some of the different groups that are there, their denial or their immediate mm-hmm. acceptance, and their kind of battle with, like, oh shit, as a scientist, I'm being challenged. Yeah. Like, basically, I, I love how he shows, uh, kind of the he he throws the whole idea of science into the scientist's face of like you want to be proven wrong so when you are how are you going to respond to that and i love that he shows some of them being very like nope 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 (laughs) which i think is just a great uh irony um yeah but yeah i was i was shocked by prince of darkness when it ended i kind of was like shame on me for not having watched this (laughs) a million times before because this is yeah so fucking good <laughs> yeah
1: i completely agree i think it's one that that i will watch a lot more uh, mostly so i can get every single thing i could possibly get yeah. out of it because
0: i feel like there's
2: a but lot also because it's...
0: and and it was fun watching those three together because you definitely mm-hmm. catch little connections and, and just little things of like, I get why this is the apocalypse (laughs) trilogy. Cause there's like, and, and, i guess ish spoiler but not really but like there's not a (laughs) lot of happiness that comes out of this trilogy
1: right (laughs) yeah yeah, no happy endings at least of the two i see (laughs)
0: there's there's not a lot of like make you feel great about what's coming up
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the apocalypse for you uh
0: yeah (laughs) i i was blown away by the the prince of darkness and and it made me kind of think like not just with this but with a lot of the stuff that we've watched this year, Jake, I, I kind of had a realization where I was like, man, we have visited some older movies that, and mm. I was hoping you were going to enjoy Prince of Darkness like I did so that I can yeah. say this, um, where okay. it was like, we, we got to watch some gems that I think really kind of, yeah, these movies are sticking with
1: us. This is going to be, yeah and I, man, it made me so appreciative like, <laughs> yeah and some of those are probably obvious like seven samurai yeah but then there's ones like this that i've never heard anybody praise and say oh you'll love it and and so i when i watch it i'm like why is nobody talking about this movie this movie's incredible <laughs> it's like the way that he handles the
0: supernatural aspect of it or Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to call it, because even that gets kind of challenged a little bit. Um, I was like, "This is unique. This is so different than every other way we've ever been shown or had this idea yeah. kind of approach to us." I think
1: this is more effective to me. <laughs> like- yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love—I mean, I love Donald Pleasance in all of the movies that John Carpenter has made with him in mm-hmm. it, but him as the priest in this movie and how he goes about kind of recruiting all of the oh, scientists yeah. and interacting with them. And uh, it's just brilliant. I it, it.
0: Brilliant. And it, it brought me back to like, this feels like I'm watching Dr. Loomis, like try to get mm. the cops to realize, like you are not safe. Your town is not safe. <laughs> this is a bad idea. Yeah. And he does like the same thing as the priest. And I feel bad for him in both stories because no one really <laughs> takes them all that serious until everything has, you know, shit has completely hit the fan and then everyone's like oh, oh
1: our- that guy, didn't he say something about how we should be concerned <laughs>
0: right, like our, our bad man okay. That's that sucks uh,
1: yeah <laughs> like
0: yep <laughs> um, I was so I was trying to, you know, it's, it's our spooky month and for me, I, I typically will try to watch just nothing but but horror the whole month. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I called I called the B critics out because they did their like one horror film a day, uh spooky month kind of thing. And I mm-hmm. I think it was Liz that I said this to her. I was like, those are amateur numbers and she was like, What? <laughs> and I was like, dude, I'm like a weekend and I've already watched like twelve. So <laughs> <it was horror. laughs> yeah. And uh yeah. Oh, I just lost my train of thought, but oh, so like prepping for this scene, just straight action on here with like assault on precinct 13. <laughs> I was I'm not going to lie. I wanted to see it because I, I actually enjoyed the remake, but I had never seen okay. the original. So all Territion. I knew was the remake. Uh, yeah. And so I was like, ah, I like, I already watched Taxi Driver and The Departed, which breaks my <laughs> my like spooky tradition
1: or streak, but yeah. that's
0: okay. And I was like, all right, we got another action movie. It's like, all right, let's I'll pop this in. Like I was excited to watch it, but it was like, oh, okay. I'll, I'll pause on the gore and, and the spookiness. Mm-hmm. And then I watched <laughs> assault on precinct 13. <laughs> <laughs> and this yeah. movie, dude, it had a moment that it reminded me of my hereditary moment. And that's the okay. fucking ice cream truck. Oh yeah. That happened. I'm sitting there watching it. Just like, this is like this is pretty well done so far. Like, I'm enjoying the story so far. I'm curious to see what mm-hmm. how he handles the assault. And then the ice cream truck happened. And I was like, Oh, it's that kind of fucking movie. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really interesting having it be a precursor to Halloween two years later, yeah, that uh, there's definitely hints at what he's going to become as a filmmaker in Assault on Precinct 13, particularly when the cops are driving around. He's like, oh, it's starting to rain. And and then he's like, wait, no, wait a minute. That's not rain. And he gets out <laughs> and it's just some guy, some construction worker bleeding down onto the car. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: like oh uh, shit. that is a very
1: <laughs> that's a very Halloween scene, right there. Yeah. The
0: partner in the car the whole time, like, dude, something's off. Like, I don't feel good about this. I'm telling you, something's wrong. Ah, oh, whatever, mm. there ain't nothing here. Like, <laughs> if there's one trope that is always a part of almost every story, it's the one guy whose intuition is on point and no one cares. Mm. <laughs> maybe we should listen to those people a a little more often i don't know i
1: don't know yeah (laughs) yeah i felt like it was it had to be like a spiritual predecessor to the purge Mm -hmm. because it kind of has the same vibes of this police station that's getting shut down and then uh, the police and there's a couple of inmates left in there and they have to like kind of join forces to survive and suddenly like lose the the rules that they've been accustomed to and then this gang is like assaulting their precinct and trying to kill them all and it is very kind of night of the living dead is where they just kind of keep coming they just they keep just coming come through the door and come through the windows and they're all getting shot in the face and it doesn't matter and
0: they don't talk they don't scream they don't grunt yeah. they're silent killers they're just there to cause mayhem and their first scene with them like cutting their arms and pouring the blood into the bowl i was like mm-hmm. this is what you're
1: crazy <laughs> yeah,
0: right like <laughs> ow why would you do that yeah and then immediately yeah. that thought of like ooh that's gross you you should not you should not be doing
1: <laughs> that's not <sane> <laughs> right yeah. and then it was like oh yeah there it was the go. 70s uh they all have AIDS now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they don't, they don't like cross their cuts. They were just putting it in the bowl. But
1: yeah. <laughs> you talked about them being a silent killer. That's the only part that like is made me like laugh. And was funny is that this guy is just outside shooting people with a silencer on his rifle, but it's all like, pew, pew, like, <laughs> yeah. like, old like 70s obviously not realistic silencer sounds and so it, it did sound pretty funny the whole time which made me happy when we get to like escape from new york mm-hmm. where they actually sound realistic silencer <laughs> sounds <I was laughs> like okay he figured it out eventually we but it, it's there. funny in assault on precinct thing it's like over the top in assault on precinct 13 yeah
0: yeah well over the top but that was like the sound effect that they had back then. So you kind of have to give them yeah. a little grace it for was, it.
1: it. It was the one they had in the can. <laughs> right. Use. Like
0: we don't yeah. have that big of a budget. What sound effects do we have? We have this pew sound. That's yeah. it. <laughs> That's,
1: That's the, the one. On. We'll use it all uh, the time. <laughs> I the I will say Assault on Precinct 13 is the one that I definitely noticed the score. Immediately. Yes. Because I didn't really notice it in Dark Star, but in the opening credits, I was like, "This is John Carpenter, and it's the synthesizer, and it's incredible," and I definitely and it's get like
0: the whole way of, through. Um, yeah, yeah, I I really noticed the score on Assault. I noticed it heavily on The Prince of Darkness, um, and obviously, well, you didn't. I can't believe you didn't watch it. I was all excited to talk about it. In the Mouth of Madness. But, you, know, you didn't
1: watch it. <laughs> well, it's but, He didn't write it. He wrote uh, the guy from... Who wrote it? The guy from Judge Dredd, 1995, wrote it. Michael DeLuca. I know. I know. He only directed I still, and it and composed it. I'm still excited. I had to get through the nine. I know. I'll get around to it. I'll get around to
0: it. Um, but yeah, the score in this one, I was instantly like, oh, okay. Like, you just kind of, he he has some of these scores where he just drops you right into it. Halloween, obviously. Uh, And then this one, what took me out, I think I noticed it more on this one because this one's such an early movie for him. I mean, he did Dark Star and then Assault. And uh, to already kind of know, like, how he's going to Mm -hmm. score, to Mm -hmm. learn how to score that fast, to me, was like, Oh, this dude, you can almost tell, like, oh, he's fighting. What What direction does he mm-hmm. like more? Does he like writing and directing, or does he like scoring the film? Because, yeah, they're right on par only two movies into his career. Uh,
1: yeah, that's insane. yeah, and it's so catchy, uh, just like the Halloween thing, super it,
0: catchy. You know, and then I noticed, uh, after I watched it. You know, I was doing my, like, Oh, let's go learn stuff about the movie. I had to laugh because mm-hmm. Assault on Precinct 13 is Hans Zimmer's, like, all-time favorite movie score. Oh, And really? I was like, oh, now I feel obligated to really like this, like, to like it even more. <laughs> yeah. But I was like...
1: If he says it's good, I right.
0: But I felt, like, validated. Like, okay, I wasn't just noticing it for, mm-hmm. like, the sound or whatever. It, it genuinely is that good like all right thank you hans thank you hans
1: yeah. <laughs> hans and her stamp of approval hey, yeah. like i'll
0: it. take it i'll take it <laughs> uh
1: yeah i like i I like how obviously we talked a little bit about halloween but i think the halloween score in particular is his most noteworthy his most yeah Raised. But I I just was blown away. I guess maybe I saw the whole movie with new eyes, like I was saying before, that it's to come up with everything from scratch and to mm-hmm. for it to not be based. Like I'm so used to Michael Myers being a thing and for Halloween franchise to be a thing that has always been around. But I guess I appreciated the original so much more that it's not based on anything and it's not based on a Mike, like Michael Myers was invented by John and put on the screen and filled with such a rich backstory that is way better than everything else we had ever had (laughs) to that point, way better than Freddie, way better than, uh, Jason, way better than all of these other slasher, uh, slasher killers that we've had. And so it's just, it makes way more sense, I guess, the more you watch it and the more you see it, the more you understand it, why he's has stood the test of time. And he's been, even in spite of the fact of having been done so silly and so terrible sometimes, he uh, he is the foundation of what that story is, is strong enough to withstand all of oh, that nonsense. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and and you brought up the score. I was talking to my daughter about it, and I think I mentioned this a little bit in our our previous episode, Um, but I was telling her about just when you hear the Halloween theme song, I told her, like, Mm -hmm. it's instant. You just feel dread. Like, you don't feel Mm -hmm. warmth. You just feel like doom has shown up, and this is the music that's (laughs) going to play with it. And that's that's essentially how the story is. And she was just like, really? Mm-hmm. And so I played it for her and she was like, yeah, yeah. You don't feel great. And I was like, no, but it's catchy, <laughs> but it just lingers in your head. And it's such a, like, it's so daunting mm-hmm. that it, it really just kind of, to me, it, it helps put Michael Myers. Cause you see Michael's face, you hear the song. And mm-hmm. I feel like in terms of just villain, not even horror, But just villain in general, I think when you hear that music, you see Michael's face and he kind of set like a standard for your future villains in film are probably going to have to start somewhere here (laughs) and then you can do what you want. But to have such an effective character like that, to create such an effective character like that, he doesn't speak. He's Mm -hmm. slow for the most part but he's so effective when he is like kind of in action or mm-hmm. when when the violence kicks in he doesn't mess around he's just very one one goal like that's all he's got i'm gonna take a life and he does and i my daughter asked me like so he just stabs everyone that's all he does is he just stabs everyone i was like actually no Shockingly, yeah. like Michael is associated with this giant knife, and for good reason, he does stick a kid into the wall and leaves him hanging. Uh, <laughs> but I told her, like, no, he he strangles people. Like, yeah, yeah, he stabs a few, but he does more strangulations than people think, or he'll just cut a throat. Um, mm-hmm. It's like I, I think that also adds to what has helped make Michael Myers stand the test of time, because. Although associated with the giant knife, he's unpredictable in how he's going to actually kill. Yeah, his victims, and it, it kind of makes him even more intense because you don't know how. You just know it's going to suck. Mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not like it's not like Jason, where all of his movies it kind of becomes what creative and crazy way can you come up with for them to kill people. Uh, it's more like no, this is a guy who's just going to kill you at any cost it's unstoppable and whatever is around if there's nothing around he'll use his bare hands he's just going to kill you
0: (laughs) right (laughs) and and it's it's intense you know i've always said that's one of the things that's made michael myers such a like why he's so prominent for me uh or effective Mm -hmm. for me is because he's like he's so different than all the other guys he doesn't joke around with any of them he's you look in it at his face, he's wearing this mask that's pale and like weathered and you don't see eyes. It's just black Mm -hmm. holes. Uh, unless you watch, I think it's H2O and then you do see his eyeballs. I think it's H2O. um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Goofy mask. Yeah.
0: But it's like, that's effective. And I think that that says a lot for John Carpenter, his vision of just like, how do I make a movie that's effective? How do I create this story Mm -hmm. that, is gonna stick with pe- stick with people long after they've left the theater, or long after the credits have rolled and they've moved on mm-hmm. with their lives. How do I create a story and a character that when they go to bed at night, they kind of have that quick little like, "Oh God, like is yeah. the boogeyman?" Maybe here? I should
1: check the closet. Right. Yeah.
0: Uh, and I've always liked <laughs> that he he calls Michael the boogeyman in the first movie, and I also think it's funny if you watch if you stick around for the credits. Uh, John Carpenter named him the shape like Mm -hmm. Michael was the character name, but he's the shape Mm
1: -hmm.
0: according to the credits and according to everything else, because he's just
1: that's interesting. Yeah.
0: Because Carpenter didn't want him to be definitively human or definitively superhuman Mm -hmm. or, you know, supernatural or whatever. It was very much left up so that you as the audience, like, make up your own mind and whatever scares you the most, like, that's yeah. probably what it's going He's to just be. just kind of
1: just there. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I, yeah, I saw that uh he had based Michael Myers on the character on a 13-year-old boy he saw at a mental yeah. institution when he was on like a school trip. And it's kind of always stuck with him of what, what that must be like to be a kid and be in a mental institution. What happens if you grow up there mm-hmm. and go on to become what we'll kind of put you there what what was stuff.
0: like because obviously especially back then I mean that would be like the 1950s um yeah yeah late late 50s early 60s kind of time frame Um mm-hmm. where those facilities were not the best <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, they were, were very scary in their own right.
0: Yeah, they they weren't necessarily there to actually help rehabilitate or there to actually help. They were treated more as like incarceration, keep these people away from the general public because mm-hmm. we're not sure what's actually going on with them. So at best,
1: at worst, they were also then experimenting. Well, right. On Abusing you, and yeah, yeah, like in any other facility.
0: Um, yeah, so I think first off, what fucked up school did John Carpenter go to where they thought, like, you know, it would be a good outing for our students? Let's go to a mental facility, yeah. uh, where we can look at the <laughs> patients like they're monkeys in a
1: zoo. Uh, right, <laughs> like, it's, it's uh, don't do this, kids,
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> And that's, that's back then. So it was like, uh, if you skip a day at church, you know, you might have to, to mm-hmm. send you into the house cause you might be possessed. Uh, well, no, that yeah, would have been totally more eighties. Like,
1: so he might go to the sanatorium yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, locked up.
0: But yeah, for him to kind of like have that influence kind of linger and stick that long enough for him to create this, you know, what mm-hmm. would become. Michael Myers, I guess I feel a little jealous. Like, you kind of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Man. It,
1: uh, How many things have I seen in my life that could have inspired me to, to come create, up with something yeah, interesting? The, and I just. The next
0: iconic thing.
1: But instead I was like, oh, that's weird. And I went on with my life.
0: <laughs> right. But that I think that may have actually kind of been the point is I don't think he set out to make an iconic thing. I think he just set out, he had an idea. Yeah. He kinda he had a specific vision for it. He managed to get it done.
1: Just want to tell an interesting story. Yeah,
0: and it and it's I mean, Michael Myers is everywhere. It's 2023. Mm-hmm. And I think even had we not had the the requels over the last few years, I think Michael would still be, because I remember his face was still everywhere. Mm-hmm. Even after all the joke, you know, the silly sequels in the 90s came out.
1: H2O, yeah.
0: Um, Michael somehow survives that and is still viewed as, like, terrifying.
1: Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, and I, that character and that fear will last forever. It will last past John Carpenter's life. Oh, it will last yeah. past our lives. Like that, he just made more than one iconic uh, movie, which is and incredible. yeah.
0: And I think it's funny. You know, a lot of focus is put on Michael Myers. I think he's the most commercialized of Carpenter's creations. Um, That's true. But you do have to give a lot of credit to the thing, even though it's a remake. But yeah, it is a shapeless, faceless. You never know what it actually. Same looks like yeah but the thing i'm always torn because i always view the thing as sci-fi and then i watch it and then i'm like (laughs) no this is horror like this yeah this is a straight horror film and i for some reason every time i watch it i'm like "Ah, i'm not in the mood for sci-fi and then it's like as soon as you hear the or see the shot of the dog ryan being shot at and they're like kill the dog it's a dog it's a dog i'm like oh no this is horror <laughs> this is <it's>, yeah <laughs> there's nothing good that comes out of this one um,
1: Absolutely. but i think
0: the thing is i don't know i feel like it's also kind of underappreciated these days mm-hmm. you know when I, I re-watched it when i did the apocalypse trilogy when it ended, I was just kind of sitting there for a second and just letting it soak in. And kind of like what you did with Halloween, where it was like watching it with, with fresh eyes. You know, I've seen The Thing a million yeah. times. I know the movie well. I love the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But watching it this time around was very like, trying to pay attention to just like the growth in, in Carpenter's style, his writing, directing, all that, and the music. Like, Yeah. The Thing is really just, I mean, it's an intense movie. It, and it's kind of like, you kind of can't help but feel a little claustrophobic watching it. I know that's kind of ironic to say because it's out in Antarctica and
1: <laughs> the middle of nowhere. right? Yeah. Um, Wide open spaces.
0: But I think that's what makes it feel claustrophobic because there's nothing around them to help yeah. them out. They're-
1: and it's also so desolate and dangerous you like the elements the elements are yeah you need to be in this tiny little like structure that will let you survive in this place and and if you venture out planet yeah
0: and if you venture out you have to have the the like lifeline that you have to be hooked to just in case the winds are blowing too hard Mm -hmm. and you can't you know it's white out i was like man
1: yeah so you're trapped in the structure with nowhere to go as this thing is (laughs) imitating people you have no
0: clue where it is who it is what um the mystery of it all i i I really appreciate how carpenter mate wrote his characters to just have that kind of fight or that that disbelief when they realize like oh i think this is alien um Mm -hmm. but kind of just being like The proof is literally right in front of us. We just torched some of it, so we're fighting an alien, guys, and it can replicate us. So fuck all of you. (laughs) We're gonna (laughs) right. (laughs)
1: Yeah, we need a safe word.
0: Right. Yeah, I think I think the thing is also I think it might be one of Kurt Russell's best. He's so good in that movie.
1: He's made a lot of good ones, though, but that's definitely one of his it, best. It is
0: one of his best. And, and it's funny watching him in The Thing, and then you watch like Big Trouble in Little China. You're just like, <laughs> this is, makes me respect Kurt Russell Different. even more. And even uh, <laughs> Carpenter said, had a quote about working with Russell or just Kurt Russell in general, of like, he, mm-hmm. he respects him so much because he takes roles based on what he thinks it's just going to be enjoyable what he think? what he likes. He doesn't mm-hmm. care about the peer pressure from a studio. He doesn't care about, you know, really anything else being liked all the time. He <laughs> takes it. Cause he's like, this, mm-hmm. this seems interesting and fun to me. So I'm going to do it. I'm like, I really love it. When I hear actors that do that, you know, Keanu Reeves is very well known to do mm-hmm. that. He just, he doesn't care. He's like, I'm going to do what I feel like. And they make interesting films. Uh, but, yeah, I, I feel like The Thing has a lot of, like, stature to it. But I feel it's kind of gotten, like, lost a little bit. I don't I don't know. Maybe it's just newer generations that don't want to watch old films.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: What a shame, because they're missing out on just incredible storytelling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's – The Thing is better than pretty much everything that came out this year. So if you're going to watch the movie <laughs> – just go watch the thing. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I want to argue you, but I mean, it's a that's a valid argument.
1: Yep, <laughs> yep, yeah. yeah. fight me! I dare you. I, I, I'm yeah, I definitely see me, that yeah. with Kurt Russell, though. That you can tell in Escape from New York, particularly, which is such an over-the-top character for Kurt Russell to play, Snake yeah. Kin and he's got the eye patch he's got the gravelly voice and and he's got a funny name snake uh he's just such a i don't know like it it's very clear that he was going for kind of a iconic action hero -hero Mm anti-hero look and pulls it off but it takes a lot of commitment from from kurt russell to not be like this is kind of silly (laughs) <laughs> I think it takes
0: a lot of commitment from, like, everyone a part of that movie. Um, I like the idea, because Kurt Russell, he's a, he's kind of a conundrum to me. Because growing up, I felt like Kurt Russell was also part of the, like, echelon of the big guys yeah. like Arnold and Sly. Um, mm-hmm. But really looking back at it, you're like... He, he he wasn't he was
1: just, yeah he didn't do that much he, he didn't like, do, as as like the big, big muscle man movies. movies.
0: so it is funny watching escape from new york and him i really think they were creating like they have their big muscle dudes we're gonna have our anti-hero <laughs> kind of futuristic-y super bizarre kind of dude and your name is snake yeah and wearing an <laughs> eye patch.
1: yeah yeah it's it's it really gets into what i love about 80s sci-fi movies it's apocalyptic premise and the it's set in the future but all the computers are super old and and (laughs) shitty graphics uh and it always cracks me up like all of the different it's obviously low budget design mm-hmm. choices with the like rifles and everything that they've got. It's just kind of cobbled together to make this world. But it works because like the world is kind of falling apart. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense that they when they throw them into New York and the whole city is basically a prison. There's a lot of really fun, uh, I don't know, like nods to things. I don't feel like LA Escaped LA did this as much where it has like tongue-in-cheek nods or design decisions there's a part where snake just is going down the street and dudes are popping up out of the sewers and the he goes into a diner and like the sign on the diner says uh chock full of nuts and that's what the city is it's just tough chock full of crazy people (laughs) trying to kill him (laughs) so i just appreciate i appreciate that it's just he gets kind of what it's going for and puts it out there and, and whether people like it or not, doesn't really matter. Uh,
0: Right. It, it really reminded me that kind of principle of just like, we know what we're going for. We understand the absurdity. We understand just the ridiculousness (laughs) and, and all that. Uh, if people like it, awesome. If they don't, it's their loss. Um, yeah. And, and Carpenter's kind of had, like, well, he's had success with this mentality, I, I think, even though he says he takes failures of his movies really hard. And I get that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But he's had a lot of success. But I, that kind of principle of, like, just leaning into the absurdity brings me to, like, or reminds me of Big Trouble in Little China, where it's such a bizarre, like, what are we doing? <laughs> but at the same time, here, like, I am. All in, cause this is fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
1: <laughs> and the it's same. Not bad at all. Same
0: thing with like they live, where you're just like, this is silly. I mean, we're chewing bubblegum and kicking ass. All right, what a cheeseball <laughs> line. We got to have these special sunglasses. Okay, whatever. But then you watch it, and you're like, this is just so good. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes leaning into the absurdity is such a strength and i think carpenter yeah. constantly just like throwing this down with so many of his films is just mm-hmm. one of the many reasons he's like this godfather to me of of mm-hmm. just horror and but that's the thing it's not just horror the dude does all of these so well yeah it's it's incredible
1: yeah i think leaning into the absurdity has has led to a lot of success and i think has also led to a lot of unexpected iconic imagery whether Mm -hmm. it's how the how like how the fog looks if you're like oh there's gonna be just like these dudes in the fog and they're gonna kill people you're like well that's gonna look dumb on screen but it it works really really well or if you have michael myers you're like well there's a guy and he wears a jumpsuit and a mask and he stabs people you're like what's scary about that but then you actually see it and you are like he's like everybody in a mask and he's really scary (laughs) and then snake is over the top but he completely works and uh and they live i think it has to be the best example of like it is over the top Mm -hmm. it is bizarre that not just the way the aliens look but the sunglasses and this the way that when you wear the sunglasses you see through the advertising and onto what it's really trying to tell you uh, it that style and just the stills from that movie are the most like iconic and just grabbing you like oh what is that that's interesting looking uh, Right, i really need to find out what that is and and you wouldn't have had that if you played like played it conventional, I guess. Mm-hmm. If you made a conventional movie about aliens taking over the world and trying to control people, you wouldn't have the iconic or the the the, the look that grabs people so well.
0: Yeah, he's a, uh... and he's achieved this all without really. Trying to be like this master filmmaker, this this genius mm-hmm. behind the camera or behind the script or behind the the keyboard or the synthesizer, um, he's just he's made his ideas. He's had his ideas. He's either like co-written it or like help have people help him out with it, or he's just done it all on mm-hmm. his own. But he's just. It comes back to what we talked about earlier in this episode, just the simplicity. Yeah. The absurdity Mm -hmm. can seem crazy or whatever, but the simplicity is so perfect and necessary for his stories. You know, with they live him having the big reveal of like the real world and it's a pair of sunglasses. Like Mm -hmm. I think, I would imagine when the studios read this even when it came out they were probably like <laughs> are you kidding like there's got to be mm-hmm. something else and he's like no no sunglasses but but like just <laughs> this kind of sunglasses is gonna be the one
2: yeah but then
0: you watch it and you're like it makes sense it fits this world it's so much better like it's such an easy because sunglasses are always going to be there we expect them to kind of protect mm-hmm. our eyes and so for them to be you know, the big revealers. I yeah. like the simplicity of these ideas as someone who's like always had this kind of thought of like, how cool would it be to write such a great script? I, I think, and and I'm sure writers out there can uh, relate. You get s- sucked up so quickly in trying to perfect the idea, yeah. trying to perfect the way you wrote it, trying to perfect every little thing you're doing And I feel like, man, I I think more writers or directors, whatever, should kind of take note from Carpenter. And sure, I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah, I'm going to be in his corner. But you Mm -hmm. look at those early films, you know, the 70s through the 90s, and it's like, the dude did it. He'd probably be Mm -hmm. a good one to take note from. And I think the first one is, don't try to be perfect because n- at no point in a lot of his movies does he ever you can mm-hmm. tell he's not going for perfection he's going for what do I think you know I th- you said it earlier of like what scares me that's probably yeah. going to be effective and it's like to him it's also oh you know I'm sure it's more of like or another level of just what's interesting to me mm-hmm. I think I'm just gonna write what I think is interesting <laughs> And we'll see how it translates. I think that's an important note to take. And Carpenter, it, the dude deserves so much more respect from like mainstream <laughs> audiences, because
1: Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I think he's a he's a great inspiration to up and coming filmmakers, I think, or he ought to be, mm-hmm. because I think you, you nailed it. One thing that I wrote down and as I was watching it, I was like, he's not. He's not one of those like great super stylized auteurs. He's not Scorsese. He's not Fincher. He's not Nolan. He's he does his own thing and he's kind of a jack of all trades, master of none kind of guy. Like he's not an incredibly like stylized director. Mm -hmm. He's not like an overly complicated storyteller and his music even is not like huge symphonies <laughs> and conducting and all the stuff. Like an electric guitar the, and a that, synthesizer. <laughs> yeah. I get the impression that it's a guy in the garage with a keyboard doing all the sounds on the keyboard. He's got the drums on the keyboard. He's got the synthesizer sounds, the horn sounds like he's, he's doing it all, but he's, he's doing like you said, not perfectly, he's doing it good enough to get the idea across and the story across, and it comes out great most of the time, and it makes some of the best and most iconic stories of all time. And so I think that is a huge thing to take away from from him and his legacy and what he's given to us mm-hmm. is is these stories that we love so much, but also that that it's, it's kind of makes the media more accessible that you could write a story. If you see some kid at an insane asylum on your school trip, (laughs) write a story about it. Uh, Or if you just see something in everyday life, like sunglasses, what happens if you put these sunglasses on? Like just start doing those kinds of exercises and you can come up with something like, yeah. And like, it's all It's all there.
0: Be okay with the weird. Be okay with the absurd. Or even, you know, as most people probably say, like the, the stupid idea is almost like Carpenter is taking yeah. that and throwing it right back in the faces of those critics, you know, that kind of criticism being like, you called it stupid, but now it's this m- juggernaut. So, <laughs> and, yeah, know,
1: like- Then it scared me and made me poop my pants. And I actually am going to be <laughs> a little concerned when I go to bed tonight.
0: <laughs> yeah i just like prepping for this dude i was really and even when i thought that it was just that apocalypse trilogy just re-watching stuff and just like kind of learning about carpenter and i mean the dude went to uh was it the southern california school of cinema or whatever but he dropped out yeah like he he dropped out because he realized like i can make my own film and I like the idea Mm -hmm. that he did it and was like, I don't have to do it to, to appease, you know, these professors who think they're going Mm -hmm. to, who think they're the masterminds, no offense to those guys, but like,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: where's your movie? Um, (laughs) Which I guess some people, right. You could say that to any, anyone who judges a film and it's valid. Um, But I, I respect that. He took a shot. Yeah. You know, and that's a big gamble. Yeah, even crazy, back then, that's yeah. a huge fucking gamble.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And it, I mean, obviously it worked out for him. Even even with his commercial failures, mm-hmm. he's, to me, he's like, it's like the, it's like the Alice in Chains and uh, Nirvana kind of thing where Nirvana has all the, the credit. They get all the attention, you know, no offense, Wes Craven, yeah. no offense, Nirvana love both of your stuff. <laughs> um, but then like with, with Grunge and stuff, you look at Alice in Chains and you find out well, they've had the much bigger influence on a much wider scale. They just didn't have the attention. I feel like that's the case with Carpenter. Yeah. But with so many other directors and filmmakers or storytellers, he's just kind of been like, I think, taken for granted.
1: Yeah, kind of quietly doing his own thing for 40 years. Oh, right.
0: And, and I mean you revisit his stuff like we did and it's like this is just I feel like I feel like he's outdoing so many people these days, you know? <laughs> like yeah. when I watched Prince of Darkness, yeah. I was like uh this this just shot like <laughs> half of the movies I've seen in the last couple of years just like <laughs> that was cute. Watch this. Uh <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> right yeah particularly when it comes to new horror yeah
0: i just i i feel it's a shame that he's like underrated in my opinion that he deserves way more credit than what he's been given and he's been given a lot i i will say that like people have been coming around but i think it's just kind of been i think he's been him as a storyteller has been lost kind of mm-hmm. to the movies. People know his movies, but they don't know the man behind it. And it's like, you really need to look at yeah. this man behind it, because he deserves, our thanks a sli- as movie fans, Like a lot of mm-hmm. gratitude towards that guy. I...
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like even though people know the name, and they know the iconic ones, there's always seems to be this stigma of, well, they're just cute, low-budget, you know, basically b-movie uh whether it's horror or sci-fi or whatever that they just don't get that appreciation for no they're sincerely really good movies (laughs) with really good ideas and stories that will stick with you for the rest of your life and they're worth checking out yeah
0: it was just you know coming out of october i usually will take a big break from watching really anything that's like intense or horror mm-hmm. spooky um and, and obviously we have a lot of like interesting things that we'll be prepping for coming up pretty soon <laughs> but i definitely found myself like you know especially prince of darkness and that original assault on precinct uh i just kind of being and the fog and just being like man mm-hmm. i feel like i owe it to these movies to just like kind of rewatch a whole bunch of times all back to back and just kind of like <laughs> yeah what I'm still like, I can't believe it's taken me this long to see Prince of Darkness. That was so God, I can't get over that movie, dude. It was so good. And then the fog, I was like, how the fuck did I watch this movie? And yeah. I was so like, way back in the day, and and shrugged it as kind of like, okay, it was fun. I'm
1: mm-hmm. like, how, how <laughs> yeah. did
0: that? I must not have been paying attention to it. Like,
1: there's... I li- I literally out my phone put in my calendar april 21st the fog day and i'm like i need to watch this movie every year on april 21st from now on. all
0: right we're we're making it official right here (laughs) movie boners calendar day april 21st fog fog day fog day fog day uh we we watch and celebrate and enjoy the fog um too, we really need to do that. <laughs> upper... Yeah, We really we'll need to do out. that. That needs to be a thing. Um, yeah, I'm writing that down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that that's all we get out of this. That's more than enough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, sincerely watch The Fog and uh, and what whatever that was. <laughs> Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness. If, uh, if you need a good Halloween movie in the next couple of days, which I'm sure you will, the fog and Prince of Darkness will do the job. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um,
1: and you probably haven't seen them.
0: I know, which is a shame. Or, or you think that you've seen the fog, and you're probably like, "Isn't that that really shitty one that came out in like 2006 or whatever?" Uh, <laughs> don't watch the remake. Love well, that too. Uh, don't don't watch that one.
1: Just no. Just watch the original from 1980. Watch the original. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah
0: uh well did you have any uh i feel like we've kind of i don't
1: think so i think we covered it i just thank you john carpenter we love you and appreciate you
0: and the dude's made so many more movies i mean just go and check out his whole filmography guys he's made so many freaking movies that was one thing that kind of took me off guard i was like this guy has made Constantly mm-hmm. working. And and I think it's cool that even with a few of his duds, um mm-hmm. they're still fun to watch. Like Vampires, not the best vampire movie ever made, but it's still super mm-hmm. entertaining to watch James Woods go and shoot down vampires and he's all like gruff wearing the leather and the boots.
1: And- <laughs> um Yeah, of course. I was shocked just this year I learned that he directed a movie that I loved when I was a kid, Memoirs of an Invisible Man oh, yeah. with Chevy Chase. Yeah. And I was like, no way did John Carpenter direct that. But he absolutely did. Yeah, he really did.
0: Um, did you see he he had the opportunity to direct Top Gun but turned that one down? I thought, man, no, a John Carpenter led Top Gun. That would
1: have been weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That would have been weird for sure. But yeah. (laughs) Interesting.
0: So much gratitude towards John Carpenter. It it was like enlightening and humbling for me to just realize like, man, I've been underestimating this genius for far too long. Um, Yeah. I I really think, you know, I was also thinking at one point, because I got asked recently of like favorite directors which might be a mm-hmm. an idea for farther down the line yeah and uh after prepping for this one and thinking about that question you know he's never even been part of that thought to me but I, I was really like oh he's got I mean this isn't even underdog fight this is like he has a prominent fight for like a yeah. top 10 director kind of thing that's a yeah just just realizing how much i love of his stuff so thank you john carpenter yeah thank you thank you you.
1: yeah hopefully this (laughs) inspires you to uh check out more of his stuff and and let that appreciation grow as well because i think it's well very well deserved um yeah well guys
0: um i guess coming up i know we mentioned it at the start of the episode uh we've got quite the doozy coming up. (laughs)
1: uh <laughs> yeah if you've never if you're like me and you've never seen requiem for a dream the darren aronofsky joyful fest of film i don't know what you would call it uh the, a doozy that's probably the way to put it yep. if you've never seen that doozy from darren aronofsky you should because we're gonna get into spoilers next episode and uh i'm sure it will be interesting i still have not seen it so don't spoil it for me either because i,
0: I can warm, uh and, fresh,
1: and i'm very excited yeah
0: and, and i can tell you because i've already even without the rewatch yet or the couple rewatches um that i normally do i've already started my notes and jake i should warn you
1: <laughs> i have a lot already um to say okay yeah. it's gonna be some but rants I, maybe huh? are we lucky enough what are we lucky enough to hear some rants maybe
0: I wouldn't say rants. Uh, there might be some some social commentary that I've got coming your way. I've got some uh, yeah rants. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but it, it's all for. Uh, we'll get there. Um, I'm excited for this one, Jake. Okay. I know you've you've had to hear me like mention this movie a lot, or as you like to say, advocate for this movie. Yeah, I will always advocate for this movie. I think it's important. I'm excited to dive into it. Granted, you don't feel good watching it, but it's important, I feel. So I'm excited to go into that one. And I am excited to follow it up with our our comedies. That's going to (laughs) be quite the shift. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) quite the shift, but also one that I'm most anticipatory of because uh, I've always disliked how I went about our top 10 comedies in the very beginning i kind of made a weird choice that i didn't make with any other list and uh so i get to do it again redo it yeah again, and it's going to be very different <clears throat> and a lot better
0: i'm excited for mine too because a few of my original picks have been put on other lists now so as my own mm-hmm. like kind of rule for myself that i'm trying to abide by uh, they are no longer going to be featured on my comedy list. So I'm a little curious to okay. see how I'm approaching this one. Um, like you, there were a couple decisions I made for that original recording where I was like, what the fu- Why did you put that one and not this one? What are you thinking? Yeah, And uh, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the rest of this year. We've got some great movie, like great stuff to talk about it it'll be a feel good in the year. Um, yeah, it really will. It should be fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, all right. That's Make sure you
0: follow, subscribe, do all that, that fun stuff. Uh, all that, all that jazz. That was lame.
1: Yeah. It helps us out. a Yeah. Well. <laughs> um,
0: go buy some swag and all that good stuff. And we appreciate you. Thank you.
1: Yeah. And check out our guest episodes for, if you want more stuff until the next episode. All right, guys. All right. See you guys later.
0: Bye.